Yeehaw, hello and howdy. Thank you for joining us on the Canon Stats Podcast. I know it's been a while, and we are very sorry for about that, but we are going to do our best to try to get back into a more regular cadence. Um, so we got a lot of catching up to do. I am Scott Willis, and always, I am joined by my co-host, Adam Bogey. How you doing, Adam? Hey, Scott. I am joining from beyond the grave today. I uh, took a sick day from work, so, you know, all those of you guys who are out there thinking... Uh, I can't wait for this dynamic voice of Adam to come across. You know, maybe maybe dial back the expectations, but we're gonna we're bring the takes all the same. Yeah, you were powered up, right? You, you've been napping. You were, you know, saved this hour of your day to be fully fit or as close to fully fit as you can. This is gonna be your, oh, yeah. your Michael Jordan flu game. Yep, I'm just like loading up on uh, pain relief medication and caffeine, and and we're just we're running on fumes, and it's gonna be, you know, probably my best pod to date. So here we go. There we go. Um, how, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, how was your summer? You have, you have a good summer? Do anything fun, exciting? Yeah. yeah, no, it's been it's been a big summer uh, here for sure. Um, you know, changed. I think my most of my Twitter followers know I changed professions, and that kind of was part of the reason for the uh, pause in in uh, podcasting. While you know, we kind of figure out how to work my life around this stuff again. <laughs> but um, obviously, there's been no shortage of um, like super exciting stuff to talk about and, and follow um, this transfer window. But um, yeah, I just, I feel like, you know, like any dad of young kids, I'm just kind of waking up, taking care of them, going to bed and then lather, rinse, repeat. Yep. And yeah, no, I think it's going to be, yeah, it's a, been a, an exciting summer. Um, I think we have a, an exciting set of content um, to go with the, the next season. Mm-hmm. I was writing about that in the the blog this morning, just kind of like going through like the, the original plan. And it's like, man, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we kind of, you know, do week yes. to week and, and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, well, I'll, I'll put this up front, right? If, if you guys do want to subscribe, that's very much appreciated, uh, allows us to be able to do all of these things. Um, I think we've got some additional plans kind of added on here. So, um, you know, this trying to get this podcast back to a more regular uh, cadence. I also have plans to try to do more of a fun interview type stuff. Um, probably keep those ones more uh, premium subscribers only, um, but maybe we'll we'll keep some of them uh, for everybody too as well. So uh, lots of lots of good things to do. So before we look ahead, I think we should look back a little bit on what's happened. Uh, busy summer. Arsenal have gotten their business done early, which looks to have been um, a blessing with how crazy the transfer market has gotten in the last couple of days. And I think is going to be an absolutely wild deadline day as we get to the end. But Arsenal have uh, signed three players, uh, potentially four. Uh, Araya looks done, but yeah. it doesn't look like it'll be registered in time for the match tomorrow. But yeah, so excited about the, the players that Arsenal brought in, Adam? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, this is probably, I think in terms of, in terms of kind of uh, like aggregate quality, um, certainly, you know, in the recent past, this is, I think the best window that Arsenal have had. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because I think that obviously, you know, putting in a genuine title run last season, um, the implication there is that you're coming from a place of higher quality. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, Sometimes when you are bringing in so many guys, there's a lot of outgoings too that might kind of affect the continuity. But I mean, at this stage, you know, you look at major contributors who are unlikely to be back. I think at this, as things stand right now, you're just looking at Granite Jacka. Um, yeah. The only, the only real rumor that I don't know, I'm not completely ready to write off would be Thomas Party. But um, it's just, it's one thing to add um, guys like Havertz and Raya. And 
Declan Rice and Urian Timber. And it's an, it's another thing altogether to do that while basically retaining your entire starting 11. I mean, 10 of the 11 for sure. So it's, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, and it's definitely exciting. I'm, I'm ready to kind of raring to go for tomorrow morning. I am too, right? Yeah. And it's like the only reason that, you know, some of the, the those 10 people may not be part of the 11 going forward is just because one of the new guys came in and was just better than them, right? Like, right. that's certainly a possibility. But like, that that doesn't mean that, you know, whoever comes in, that just means we have a little bit extra depth. It's just really, really kind of exciting. I know we did that exercise at the beginning of December, looking at, you know, putting ourselves in the shoes of director of football. And I think I was kind of optimistic. It's like, oh, well, let's just give it $200 million to, to spend, which I thought was a lot of money. And Arsenal mm-hmm. loaned past that. And I think basically, like maybe you could uh, quibble a little bit, right? You know, we haven't back, you know, assigned a, a backup right wing, but it's like we've like basically checked off everything on that shopping list at the start yeah. of the year. And that just feels really, really good. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a glaring um a glaring opening at this stage. I mean um, you know, speaking of things we wrote for the blog, trying to do the the exercise of um, kind of reducing the current thirty four man squad down. Yeah, to that, that, that's the next one, right? There's only been really the two outgoings, and uh, that, that squad looks bloated. It looks yeah. like somebody who came back from an all you can eat cruise and uh, is carrying a few extra pounds. And it's and it's not uh, it's not going to be a surprise per se that uh, we'll go to the first game with you know probably Nicholas Pepe still on the. The, the payroll and Cedric Suarez and those guys are going to be left off the team sheet for sure. But, um, you know, I mean, there's a pretty solid chance as things stand that two of the three of names like, you know, Fabio Vieira, Eddie Nketiah, uh, Reese Nelson, uh, Kieran Tierney are just, they're just not even going to dress. And that's just because you can only bring 20. And I think there are 24 that are, you know, unless you count, uh, unless you don't count El Nani, then there's 23, and maybe you get down to 22 with Hine. But there are basically 22 guys that I would say are, you know, good enough or, or even more than that um, to be on a match day squad in the Premier League. So it's it's an interesting dynamic. It's going to be interesting to to kind of watch the benches throughout the season as well. Yeah, and I think that is a, an interesting one. Even like the tomorrow, it's. You know, it looks like you know, Mikel Arteta in the press conference today gave a quick injury update, and basically everybody outside of Jesus and El Neni is fit and available. So we got Zinchenko yeah. back training, we got Jorginho back training. I think both of those guys. I I think the only one that may have contention to start, and I still think it's because he hasn't played it all yet. I think Zinchenko, but that's a a very very full squad now, and yeah, trying to make that bench is going to be a task. Or we're going to see people that, you know, we expect to be able to contribute to this team missing out. Right. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. And and I I do still think that there are probably, you know, maybe two or three guys that I wouldn't necessarily stun me if they were sold. I maybe I'm not putting them on my list of what I'm expecting, but. Um, you know, I've, I've been talking basically all summer about what I feel like the market is like for Enkedia. Mm-hmm. I feel like Arsenal really have to be uh, taken aback by any offer. Um, just when you've got a player under contract for four years and he's he's well-liked by your coach. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, make it worth our while, right? We're not looking to get rid of him. So, um, you know, is is that out there for Enkedia? I personally am not really expecting it. Obviously, uh, Kieran Tierney is, is a really big one. Um, you know, maybe this is a good transition into kind of recapping the preseason and talking about yeah. 
um, what we can take from it. Because one of my bigger takeaways, aside from, you know, things like, well, your Ian Timber looks awfully natural on the ball. Um, yeah. You know, if you're a, if you're a subscriber to Canon Stats, you already knew that. Um, but uh, one of the I, bigger I didn't things, really expect him to just step in and look just so natural, right? Like this is a right. team, you know, that finished second last year in the Premier League, and you know, it's a big step up from the Eredivisie, and he has uh, basically been thrown in and has taken right to it, even mm-hmm. you know, being basically played like out of position you know, on that left-hand side where, you know, we kind of imagined him, you know, he was a, the right center back and, or he was the right back. And so being able to just come in and, you know, play on the left side right. um, here has been a, a, a very, very pleasant surprise. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember uh, kind of in the, in the couple of days after he had signed, people were saying, you know, things along the lines of basically he can play left back. And I was like, well, I mean, maybe, maybe he can, it's not something he's really done. Um, so to see him uh, go there and basically, I mean, he's basically just playing uh, the position of football player at this stage. So um, it's been, it's been really encouraging to see that from him. Obviously Declan Rice, Kai Havertz have both had some really high highs. And, um, you know, I think with, with both of them, there are probably some lows too that people overreacted from or overreacted to, I should say. But, um, you know, one of the more surprising things for me was just that, you know, here we are with, what was it? Five Premier League games, uh, Zinchenko was not fit for any of them and Kieran Tierney did not start a single one. So that makes mm-hmm. me just really wonder like, what is the, what's the idea here? Is he, is he somebody you want to keep around, but only ever bring off the bench? I mean, is that really in keeping with what a player like Tierney is worthy of what he deserves? I mean, I think that's a really big question. I think it would be much better for him to be a starter somewhere, especially somewhere where, you know, they're looking for a lot of, uh, going forward off, you know, up the left flank. But, um, you know, I mean, as we, as we both know, the, the alleged, you know, 35, 40, 50 million pound offer that some people were saying was a requirement at the beginning of the summer, it's, it's not come. So, uh, Newcastle, basically nothing has happened there. Uh, I know Aston Villa. Yeah, that's gone really to- cold, right? I haven't seen any serious links to Newcastle in what, probably six weeks. Yeah, June, I would say. So it's been, you know, it seemed, I don't know if they're just content to go into the season with Dan Byrne but, or if or if this is going to be a late swoop. But um, yeah, it's, I mean, the only real active link on, on Tierney is Real Sociedad, which is just such a weird cultural yeah, and fit for and him. And that's only a loan as well, too, right? Like it's not even yeah. like a, a permanent deal type of thing. I think there was some talk of Celtic, but again, that's another one that seems to have cooled. It just, there isn't a lot there. I, it feels like so many of the players that we have are going to be part of this end of transfer window scramble that I think is going to happen where mm-hmm. it feels like, you know, right. If you look at the landscape of, you know, European soccer, you're in the world soccer, like the only, you know, real leagues that have money right now. And that's the the Premier League. And it feels like there's kind of some dominoes that are going to need to fall some, you know, uh, money that'll have to trickle down throughout the, you know, the leagues to be able to kind of facilitate and lubricate some of these moves down the road. Yeah, I mean, by and large, if you're not selling to a club in England or a club in Saudi Arabia, um, you're, you're very likely going to be a little disappointed with the fee. I know a lot of people um, that I've spoken with were, were basically just thinking like what Inter were doing with Fuller and Balligan was some kind of bluff. But I mean, um, a lot of clubs, well, they're legit the broke. Right? They are. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're owned by a Chinese construction company that went belly up uh, more or less during 
the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And uh, the Chinese government has also restricted like how much they can really invest in the club. So, I mean, it's like, well, they don't actually have money that, you know, the Monaco's of the world do have more. So, um, and that's, you know, like I said, a, a lot of people were, were acting like they were bluffing or something, but, um, you know, Balogun, Lukaku, Skamaka, <laughs> each case, somebody has come in willing to pay more than them. And they're just like, okay, well, we're out of here, you know, and they're, they're going on down to, what is it like Marco Arnautovic now? I mean, that is not a big purchase for a club that was just in the Champions League final. So um, I think the the actions speak louder than the words there. Yeah, I, I do think so. So I, it, it is looking now, let's talk a little bit more at the outgoings because I think that's the one that has a, a bit more meat on the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, so Balogun, yeah, the latest seems to be Monaco kind of in the, the lead position. Is that kind of where your intuition is leading him to go right now? Because he looks certainly on the outs um, at Arsenal. I don't think there's really a, no. a clear sign back for him into the squad. No, they're really, I mean, his very minimal involvement in the preseason um you know not even dressing for uh the emirates cup if i remember correctly or or maybe it was the game after that uh the community shield or maybe it's both but um he you know i i don't have any inside information on him i'm not like a journalist or anything this is just a theory i think at some point um he had kind of a debrief with arteta edu you know whoever else needed to be in that room with him when he came back from france And I just, I would not be surprised if they just didn't like what they heard from him. Um, He, uh, you know, everybody and their mother is saying, you know, why hasn't he gotten a chance? Uh, Jesus is is out probably until September. Um, And here we are with a a 21 goal scorer uh, from the French Ligue 1 on the squad sheet and he doesn't even get picked. So I think, I think that there's something there that, um, the club does not appreciate. I think that they are still planning to try and move him on for the highest amount possible. You know, if you, if you want to get anywhere near the 50 million pounds that has been discussed, I mean, you absolutely do need at least one English club to come in at this point. It looks like, you know, West Ham is the one that's been most actively linked with Mm -hmm. them. Um, I don't know if I can sit here and say, you know, what I've seen from West Ham in the, in the window is actually very encouraging that they would come with a 50 million pound offer. They can't even decide half the time uh, which player the manager wants versus their technical director. Um, You know, yeah, they're a bit of a mess. They're, they're, they're a big mess. I mean, they're, they are not, you know, this just kind of speaks to how important it is to have two, two executives who work in tandem. So well, like Edu and Arteta, they just do not align uh, David Moyes seems to really want, uh, you know, kind of the good old boys who have been in the Premier League for a while, your Ward Prowses and your Maguires and your McTominays. And I think Stighton, the, I think he's technical or maybe sporting director, but he he seems to be interested in kind of, you know, looking at other things and um, being maybe a little bit more innovative, a little bit more um, modern in the approach. So will West Ham really come in? I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely encouraged by Monaco's first uh, bid allegedly being 40 million euros. I think that's, you know, that was like going to be highest and best for Inter. So, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they came back this week and said, how about 45 million? Um, maybe, maybe they get up to 50 million euros. That's obviously not 50 million pounds, but um, in, in today's market, if he's not going to England, that is not a bad price. 
No, I think that would be a, a very, very good one for Arsenal. And, and then, you know, there's always the, the possibility of things that we're not 100% sure on, you know, sell-on fees, buyback clauses, those kinds of things to help, mm-hmm. you know, protect Arsenal's uh, upside there if there's something there, you know, along the way. If he puts up another 20-goal season, you know, and then, you know, they, they want to sell to, you know, the upper Premier League table again, right? You know, the you know uh, things crash and burn at Manchester United uh, with, with Hoyland and, you know, they, they're coming back for, you know, Balogun here going forward, you know, we like to be able to to get a taste of any big sale that might exactly. come back that way too right um right there's a a number of other kind of guys that are kind of uh on the doorstep and i know you wrote about this just uh you know uh, last week or so right um anything else there that you think is of note that we should uh call out for the outgoings um i mean i don't think there's really anybody that we would ex- you know be surprised about leaving um not necessarily team. no um yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I think it's going to be a lot of them. I, you know, you could, you could legitimately get rid of 10 players at this stage and have too many. Um, I, I do think that there are going to be at least a couple of guys who leave um, for basically nothing. Um, you know, Pepe trying to go to Turkey right now. And, and it seems like the real hang up there is, I th- I'm pretty sure it's Besiktas that they don't want to pay a fee on him. Um, but Arsenal are allegedly really striving for one. So um you know, coming into the yeah. offseason, I wouldn't have predicted they get a fee, but maybe they'll get a little something. Right. Yeah. You know, there's 20 days left. Right. So you're going to try to, like, push that as far as you can. Um, you know, you're not going to you know, show the that desperation right now. Um, you know, if it's uh, August 30th, I think we'll be having a, a different story, per se, on mm-hmm. uh, our, our willingness to terminate a contract. Right. I would think so. I mean, I, I don't know what good it does, obviously. Uh getting out from under a contract without paying full price saves you a little bit of money, but I just don't know what good it would be uh, to the club to kind of haggle over, you know, say half of a contract's value and and keep the guy for the entire season, even though there's no chance he's getting involved at any point um, and end up paying the full, the full thing. So at some point you do kind of just take your, take your lumps. Um, If Saudi Arabia, nobody there is going to come get Pepe. I think it's just, it's something that I was certainly forecasting. So it's, I don't know that it should really be catching anyone by surprise. Yeah. So I think the the one thing that, you know, the potential outgoings might unlock is one more kind of future incoming. Um, it seems like with the, the David Raya move that Arsenal have structured it to give flexibility should another move uh, materialize. Is this the, the you know, the, the mysterious... Yeah, right wing that we might be looking for, or is it? I think there, Miguel Delaney was talking about. You know, we might get another six out of here. So I think the plan is just to sign all the midfielders. Is that yeah. kind of thing, or where, where, where's your view on where uh, if there is going to be one more incoming, where it might be? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, Delaney is is kind of an interesting uh, guy so, in terms of his yeah. Arsenal reporting. He's also said in the within the past week that Arsenal are going back in for a right back, um, which is maybe literally the position that there's the least need for on the, on the team sheet. But um, it's, you know what? I think that everybody, a lot of fans are really hoping that, you know, it's somebody like Muhammad Kudus who could come in and be uh, sort of a backup to, to Bukaya Saka. You could also play in the midfield, um, could occasionally play at nine. Um, I think, I think if hypothetically another player comes in, I do, I probably would lean more toward an attacking player. Um, it's going to depend on what Mikel Arteta really believes the 
workload of a Bukayo Saka should be because, um, you know, he's been very clear that he expects his best players to be able to play every three days that these guys have to be able to play. I think the number he said was 60 games in a year. And obviously that's a little bit of hyperbole, but, um, you know, you look, when you start counting the international matches, you'll certainly yeah. hit that, right? Right. He, I mean, that's maybe that's what he had in mind. But um, if if you if you talk about it from that perspective, there is no shortage of players in the Premier League, in La Liga, everywhere around the world who are doing that. Um, superstar players are playing every game. Uh, why? Because they are the very best players at the club. The club needs them to win. So you know. Why would Arsenal try to create a situation where they're going to start Saka, you know, 29 times in the Premier League instead of 36? And is that is that actually like a value add for the club? I mean, I've been kind of racking my brain looking for what would the role be for a player to come in on the right wing? Um, and the like the the most uh, the most optimistic outlook I have for them is essentially what Eddie Nketiah did last season for um, the number nine position where he started, I think, nine games in the Premier League. He started a couple in Europe and he played 30, but it was by and large 10 minute stints off the bench. Uh, you know, if you're wondering, it was 21, uh, oh, let's call them relief appearances. Only seven of them came in situations where Arsenal were not already leading. So, mm-hmm. you know, what is... What's the fun in that? Uh, and my other question is, okay, let's say that Arteta does want a right wing. Um, and, and the idea is to compete against Bukayo Saka, which let me just say, like, maybe, maybe it happens. Maybe it happens. I don't know. But I think that idea is ridiculous. I, nobody who Arsenal can afford is actually going to be anything near competition for Bukayo Saka. He's literally the face of the club. He's the best player. That's like expecting... Uh, 2016 Barcelona to sign another number 10 winger hybrid who can compete with Lionel Messi for that job. It's just, it would never happen. And it's not because they don't have the money to do it. It's not because, you know, they couldn't pull anyone. It's just because Messi is going to play start every game, especially the important ones. The best case scenario for that player is overplaying, uh, you know, uh, LJ this weekend. Okay. We can rest Messi for that. Can't do that in the premier league in my opinion. So yeah, um, I was that's... just looking up this morning, right? The the change in the quality in the Premier League is uh, pretty just blows your mind uh, different. So I was looking mm-hmm. here kind of uh, 20 years ago. So uh, against the, you know, the Invincible season, uh, once you kind of got past like the top four teams, the the level of the Premier League was very low. Then you kind of, you know, 10 years ago, the bottom of the league was it was still about the same, you know, but now it you know kind of went down to like five or six teams, you know, five years ago, it's, you know, the bottom of the team is starting to come up a little bit. But now you kind of look at, you know, the 10th place team is roughly rated the same as what third and fourth place teams used to be 10 years ago. It's uh, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. The level that has grown inside of the Premier League. Like the spread is still huge, right? You know, the, the Manchester cities, um, you know, from to the top to the bottom is still just as big. Actually, it's even slightly bigger than what it used to be. But the difference between that top, you know, the two or three teams and the midfield, you know, the mid table um, has shrunk quite a bit with that mid table teams just getting significantly, significantly better. Um, and you know, right? I think that really does go to like, there's a, a lot of games that are harder now. There's still some easy games out there, right? I think that this is a, an interesting season where uh, 
three of the four worst teams didn't get relegated last year. So I think the the bottom yeah. of the table is a little bit worse than what it's been in years past. Mm-hmm. But that mid table is still as strong as ever. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, we've definitely seen that kind of come across some player movement um, this this offseason, too. You know, I know people were, were looking for like Musa Diaby, for example, to come to Arsenal. Uh, you know, he was linked with PSG. Um, he, you know, that's and that's the kind of move that that coming into the summer, I would have expected he would make if he was leaving Bayer Leverkusen and he ends up at Aston Villa. So, you know, I don't think that's necessarily something that we would have seen so much of a few years ago. Um I definitely think if you, you know, you kind of, you kind of project out who are the, the most enticing wing, right wing talents in Europe, he would be uh, pretty high on the list of the younger ones. And, and so for him to end up at Villa, it's, it's kind of a whole new thing. And obviously the likes of Newcastle um, coming in and, you know, spending some money. um, It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's something that we've seen change a lot and then i think there's just there's just like a coaching quality mm-hmm. um, that we haven't seen quite as much of before you know it's um we're genuinely getting some sides uh who are more like mid-table even some sides who are like at the bottom of the premier league table who are playing you know pretty progressive pretty pretty positive football and um they can cause some problems so uh <laughs> last season i think um I, if i remember correctly you probably leads were not one of the bottom three or four um and I think was maybe I know Southampton was a very easy relegation, but I'm trying to remember if it was them who uh, they had so many injuries that yeah I had Southampton 19th um, okay. last year. Um, so 20th, I had uh, Nottingham Forest, so Arsenal's first uh, opponents here. Um, and then 18th, I had Wolves. And then I can't remember who uh, Bournemouth was also uh, down there, too. Um, as just a, a pretty bad team overall. Um, even, you know, Everton were, were kind of right there as well. I think Everton, you know, maybe are slightly better. It's, it depends on, like, I guess how much you uh, weight the with Calvert-Lewin and without stuff. Um, and, you know, maybe how much, you know, Sean Dyche versus the uh, the the Frank Lampard era uh, there. So, like, it's still, like, there was some some bad teams that survived. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, and it's you know, I think one thing we talked about doing today is kind of trying to project out this premier league season. And I, I don't know about you, Scott, but once I got, I felt like my first seven, eight, nine were all fairly obvious. Um, I felt like after the first two, it became really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, where, where do you put, you know, do you put this club at three or six? Um, that was definitely a little bit of a difficulty, particularly, you know, because when I was looking at this last night, uh, we sure still weren't sure. And I guess we still technically, as we record, are not sure where Moises yeah, is going to end up. But, um, you know, I find it, I guess, you know, we'll probably end up being surprised by somebody, but I, f- I find like the first eight or nine, at least in terms of like, they're in that group, maybe not mm-hmm. necessarily the order um, to be relatively easy to pick. Um, then yeah. I, for me, like going from probably 10 down to, 15, 16, 17. I mean, I would not be surprised at just about any order. I do have my my teams in mind that I think are likely uh, relegation fodder based on you know what we've seen in the window so far. But um, yeah, once so you get who, past who like you nine, for the the relegation right now, if you had to, to choose, I mean, I I feel I feel pretty strongly that Luton will end up being relegated. Um, I, I you know, they threw them up. They had to spend a bunch of money on their facilities and. You know, yeah, so they haven't been able to invest in the team at all, right? It's all gone into the ground. Right. It's been, I mean, it's been literal, you know, two, three million pound signings here and there, like Marvelous Nakamba, who's 
I think 29, um, been in the Aston Villa system forever, but never, I mean, like, do you know that name? Aston Villa is not I mean, a small it sounds nice. It's a good name, but it's freaking marvelous. <laughs> but it, yeah, exactly. And they, they definitely played on that in their announcement. And they signed Ross Barkley. Um, are these the guys that you think are going to get you ahead of number 20? Uh, no, it's not what I would expect. And they did. They, they also don't really have like, they're not like uh, Burnley where they have kind of something that people can latch on to, like the play style. Vincent yeah. Company. Um, Burnley have signed a couple of exciting young guys too. We can talk about Burnley later, but I, I think Luton, um, to me is is one that is fairly fairly straightforward. I think that they will end up going down. Um, after that, I mean, I I tweeted this the other day. I just have like next to zero confidence about absolutely anything about what Wolverhampton is doing. Uh, they right, you just, know, just lost the coach, yeah, Julian Lopetegui out. Uh, Gary O'Neill in, and it's not like O'Neill is a bad coach. I mean, he did a he did a very interesting job last season, but. Um, my issue with them is that I look at their team and I say, uh, okay, there's Matthias Nunez. Um, outside of that, like, who are the Premier League players here? They sold, uh, I th- they sold Connor yes. Cody down to the championship. They sold Raul Jimenez. They sold Ruben Neves. I have no idea who's going to start for them. Um, and and like Pedro Neto, I guess he'll definitely start probably a lot of games, but he wasn't good last year. Um, the the strikers were awful. So Matthias Cunha, like I don't expect him to have like some amazing season. Diego Costa just straight up left. Um, I just don't know. He like, wasn't oh, even good either, right? Like, yeah. no, he was bad. Um, so I I have a really bad feeling about them. And and when I was kind of uh, as much as I would love from like a, a karma perspective to say that I think West Ham are going to get relegated, I don't see it happening. Um, I actually think that Sheffield are going to be going down. Um, outside yeah. of that, they came up and for some reason that I have no idea how to explain, uh, sold basically their two best players, uh, Sander Burge and Ilaman Unjai, who went to Marseille. Um, I couldn't even name a player that they've brought in. So I are they supposed to be better in the Premier League than they were in the championship? I have a hard time seeing that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's I think there's probably like five teams that are kind of really in that really dangerous. I think you got Bournemouth, Wolves, Forest, Sheffield, Luton um, as the the mm-hmm. ones that I'd be really really concerned at. Um, there, there's always the chance that somebody else. I don't. I think Fulham um, are a team that absolutely could slip in. They're another team that has had all sorts of. Uh, just the the troubles on kind of like the the backside, right? They they yeah, got into like a, a fight, yeah, you know, the fight with like Saudi Arabia between like the, yeah. their owner and Saudi Arabia trying to steal their coach, trying to get Mitrovic out. Um, if and Mitrovic really? leaves, right? Like I think that's a a massive massive blow to that team because I think he papers over a lot of cracks for them in yeah. attack and being able to to kind of create things out of nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. And we saw that we saw that late last season when they had that big fight um, with Manchester United. He ended up being uh, suspended for, what, like nine games or something like that. And they were they were quite bad without him. Um, I know that I know that Marco Silva uh, also missed some of those games. But, um, you know, he he said to the press the other day that um, he's confident that he believes that Mitrovic has changed his mind, that he'll come and play for Fulham. But yeah, my my projection on them is absolutely 100% tied to what happens to him, what happens to uh, Willian as well. Um, you know, even even like uh, Manor Solomon left uh, Fulham. So it's it's difficult. I mean, as Americans, we can sit here and say, well, Tim Ream, uh, <laughs> Anthony Robinson. But yeah. um, outside of that, it's kind of hard to name a lot of quality players for Fulham. So it'll be 
right? Well, they, they they turned down uh, what a, a ton of money for uh, Paulinia from from West Ham, right? Yeah, they allegedly wanted like what was it like ninety million or something like that, which you know, <laughs> fair play to, to, to them, right? To to do the, the what West Ham did to Arsenal. Yeah, and he's I mean like he's definitely not definitely not worth that. So, uh, you know, good for West Ham that you didn't fall for that. I guess they did sign Calvin Bassey uh, from Ajax. He used to play for Rangers. Um, you know, he was a pretty pretty big signing. And speaking of Raul, that's where he ended up. I think they may have signed him when they thought that Mitrovic was going to leave. And man, that would have been an underwhelming replacement. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. It's just, I could see them, I think, in, in the thing that I've done here, kind of speaking to what I said earlier, I actually put Fulham 13th. Um, anticipating that they do hold on to their guys. I just really rate Marco Silva as a coach a lot. Um, and I just basically the clubs that I put like 14 through 17, I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you about these clubs. I don't know if they're going to be any good. Yeah. I've got them 12th in the simulation. So they are like sandwiched right between crystal palace and West Ham. Um, and okay. I think that's all right. Not far like Everton, like right there, like there's like those like three teams that are kind of in that we're just above the, the relegation fodder type thing. Um, any kind of slip up, you know, you might see them dragged in there, but if they're okay, they might stay above it. Um, I, I fully expect, you know, one or two of those teams to, to still be in you know trouble when we come to January kind of a thing and still being uh, in some nerves, you know, probably some uh, potential uh, manager changes within that group. Yeah, definitely. I would, I would be pretty surprised if David Moyes lasts the season, but we'll see, we'll see what he can do with Harry Maguire and Edson Alvarez and whoever they sign up front. Um, yeah, but- I, I, I know. I think Alvarez, I think is an interesting player. Um, it's, he's going to have a huge, you know, gap to kind of, it, the weirdest thing is like, you kind of look at West Ham and like, they might have like a, a 200 million pound uh, midfield that they sell. And it's like, they, I don't know if I saw a 200 million pound midfield uh, playing for West Ham last year for long stretches. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, such a huge portion of that is, is Lucas Paqueta, who is just like, for me is a very good player, a player that I like. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the, the adjustment to joining West Ham um, saw him really be up and down at times. There were times when he would come into the game off the bench or, uh, or start a game and he would be the best player uh, for the entire side. And then there were other times where just like, uh, like he just couldn't get with it. He couldn't control the ball. He couldn't make a play. Um, you know, so the fact that city have come in with that monster offer is just so shocking to me. It's so high. Uh, West Ham are definitely coming at it from a point of, well, if we get rid of rice and, and this guy, we are in a, a lot of trouble. So you better really make it worth our while. Although I think pra- practically speaking, getting 90 million pounds for him is like uh, a, a wonderful sale, like an A plus sale, but obviously um, they probably do not want to, completely tear apart their their team and potentially face relegation because Declan Rice is going to be such a huge loss for them. Yeah, could you imagine the prices they're going to get quoted if they have another giant sale like that? Like they are just going to be, yeah, teams are not going to give them any sort of a a fair deal. Well, and particularly because, I mean, here we sit here talking right now, we're 90 minutes away from the Premier League season kicking off. Uh, If, if, Moyes is really set on these guys coming from the Premier League. I mean, you could really run into a lot of pushback on that. Um, you know, I personally think that you would probably be okay. Uh, like Edson Alvarez, I think that was high 30s in the millions of pounds. Like mm-hmm. to me, that's not 
a price that I haven't seen associated with the other clubs that have signed him. Yeah, like, that's not think... an unreasonable one for what we've seen Premier League. No, you know, teams no. Right I mean, like Harry Maguire, you should take thirty million for him if you can, just because they desperately, you know, they really needed to get rid of him. He's not their captain anymore. Blah blah blah. But is thirty million like a ridiculous price for Harry Maguire? I, I don't really think so. I think it's high, but I don't think it's like you know double his value or anything like that. And not to mention that Manchester United are having to pay off. Um, something was like six million pounds or something uh, of his salary. So, um, yeah, it's they they have a lot of work to do. They cannot go into the season with, uh, at least they can't go into like game four or five with Mikhail Antonio as their striker. You know, Suchak, uh, basically the only returning midfielder. Maybe Paqueta will still be there. Um, you know, they need defenders. They need fullbacks. So it's just they have been really dragging their feet, and it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, let's uh, uh, switch gears and kind of look back to the the top of the the table now. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one where it, it's pretty easy. So I'm going to go out on the limb and say we agree that Manchester City are going to start the season as favorites, right? Like that's not a crazy thought. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you know, as much as it will not endear me to people who are Arsenal fans, I, I think. My expectation personally is that yes, they will win the Premier League again this season. I'm not expecting Arsenal to win it. It would not stun me if they did. I would obviously be be very happy, but they're definitely the favorite. All right, I think that has to be kind of the the default position given you know what they've shown to be in the past. I think they still have uh, an incredibly talented team. It seems like they've kind of limited some of the potential outgoings, right? It doesn't seem like Bernardo Silva is going to leave. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like Kyle Walker is going to leave. So they've, you know, kind of made it uh, Gundogan and uh, Mares is, you know, kind of the real like major departures. They've brought in uh, Kovacic and uh, I can't say the the center back's name. You know, Vardiol. This yeah, Vardiol. Um, so I think those ones are kind of interesting. I don't think Kovacic um, is going to be the, the Gundogan replacement. I think he might be more of a rotation with Rodri who who you know played basically every minute last year and kind of a a realization that uh the, the guy that you know uh, from Leeds last year uh I can't even remember his name now because he like didn't play Calvin Phillips Calvin Phillips <laughs> and I'm just distracted there it was really just a, a flop of a signing but they could just kind of go through it you kind of got to say like well they have a, a lot of premium talent on that team they probably have the best coach in the world mm-hmm. default position is they're probably the best team yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I, I definitely think so. Do they do they need to do a little bit more business here in the next three weeks? I, I think they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, losing Mares, who is essentially your, I guess if you look at it as a 4-1-4-1, he's like the fifth most playing time in your attacking group um, from last season. Obviously, Gundogan was starting, you know, basically every important game. I mean, those are, those are players that do need to be replaced, whether Kovacic takes on that, those Gunduan minutes or whether they went through preseason, they're like, okay, we need something different. And that's what Paqueta is coming in for. Or, um, you know, those are, those are questions. But uh, aside from that signing, they, they are being linked to the likes of like Jeremy Doku, who would be, you know, more of a, I think more of a depth signing for them at this yeah. stage. He's not ready to come in and be like a star for them, in my opinion, but but that's replacing probably a lot of those Mares minutes. Phil Foden is probably going to play a lot more um, than he did last season. He kind of picked up an injury, like I think just after the World Cup, and kind of faded completely out of like the real starting eleven for Manchester City. It was always Grealish on the left. It was always KDB, um, Holland, obviously. So uh, Foden's probably going to start more. Um, but yeah, they do need they do need to 
with the exception of their back line, they do need to pump up the, uh, the, the bench quality, I think a little bit, um, as good as that Cole Palmer shot looked against Arsenal. I don't know that a lot of city fans are sitting here like, yeah, let's start this kid like 15 games. Um, (laughs) let him be the guy who's going to, you know, give Bernardo Silva a break. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I do expect, yeah, you'll see more Foden. You'll see more, a little bit more Cole Palmer. Um, I think you might see, yeah, Alvarez kind of drop in to maybe he plays almost like a, you know, the shadow striker role off of, yeah. you know, kind of like where Gunnar, maybe it is going into more of like a, a four, two, you know, three, one type of thing, right. Where, you know, you have yeah. Alvarez in the hole behind him um I which guess he did against arsenal on the shield so yep that would make that would make sense i mean kdb wasn't starting for that game but um yeah it's gonna be it i wouldn't be surprised he he did seem to come on a little bit more as as an option um playing off of holland although i don't think that he or holland really did anything exciting against arsenal i mean they barely even registered shots on goal so um it's gonna be interesting to see how it all pieces together i think it's it's difficult to overestimate the impact of a Riyad Mahrez and Ilkay Gundogan like just leaving um n- you know they got the Saudi Arabian money for Mahrez that's good for them but Gundogan was a free uh you know it's it's just going to be not that they're going to have any problems with money but it's just going to be important for them that they replace that quality yeah so who else here now fills out your top four or should we call it a, a top five now because i think there's it's it's very highly likely that the top five teams will make the champions league going into the next year yes yep so for for people who don't know this will be the first year um well the, next year the, will be the first year of the, year the, will be the first year yeah. yeah exactly this will be the first year that these results matter so the the two countries with the highest uefa coefficient at the end of this campaign will receive an additional Champions League spot. So you could end up seeing five clubs from uh, right now, the leaders in the clubhouse would be England and Spain. So um, that would make the top five all get into the yeah, Champions we'll, League. We'll, we'll know this probably when we get into the late spring, um, but it's yeah. very likely it'll be Arsenal. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Premier League. Premier League, as one yes, of the teams, they yeah. have England has a very big lead right now. Uh, second is a little bit less clear, but wouldn't surprise me if it's Spain at all. You know, so you're going to get Real Madrid and Barcelona who will do well in Europe. So, um, so yes, we will have most likely five. Um, and for me, I think I don't think my five are at all controversial. Um, so in no particular order, actually, this is just the order that I'm projecting right now. Actually, let's just let's just be real. Uh, City, um, Arsenal, United, Newcastle, Liverpool are my five. Okay. Um, I think that, that while I know that your model is very favorable on Liverpool, they attack really well. I think that particularly if they do not sign Caicedo, if they go sign Romeo Lavia or somebody of that, I do not think that midfield is good enough. Um, I don't think that they can withstand, uh, a lot of, you know, a lot of attacking through the transitions and everything. And, and like, so a problem is that Virgil is not Virgil of three years ago anymore. He's showing cracks. Um, They really don't have anything that they can do about that right now. So they need to sign somebody. Um, And I just, I guess I just don't love the idea of them of having a midfield of maybe like Tiago, you know, McAllister and, and Uh, so, (laughs) so they're my number five for now. Um, I definitely would consider Brighton if they kept Caicedo, but he's, I mean, one way or another, he's gone. Um, I think that Newcastle, there was very little, you know, trickery to them being so high on the table last season. 
uh, they are bringing back basically everyone. Only San, only ASM San Maximin is gone, and they brought in Harvey Barnes. So uh, you know, obviously Tonali is going to be under a lot of pressure to have a great season. But I, I do foresee them getting fourth, and and I mean for now, as much as I hate to say it, I think United have the best shot at third. Um, I think yeah. there are questions about their midfield too, but. Uh, you know, we just, we saw to me, I think not a lot of flukiness, uh, there, like I wouldn't expect, or I wouldn't be surprised if they had a very similar season. I don't think that Hoyland is going to come and light the premier league on fire, but they essentially didn't have a striker for the majority of last season anyway. Yeah. I, I think and on when I actually did predict it, I did pick, you know, United to go ahead of Liverpool because again, like those same concerns, it's like, how many games can you actually win three to two um, on those kinds of things? And without them turning into two twos or, you know, or, you know, even like one twos where you aren't able to hold the enough kind of things. Um, so that I certainly would have concerns about the, the upper bound of what they're able to produce points wise, Liverpool. Um, I mean, that attack is still very, very good. I really think Darwin Nunez is a, a good player. Um, I think that, you know, maybe he had the adjustment period and like he's going to potentially really do some crazy stuff. Like, I mean, he's going to have some absolutely stupid highlights where uh, the ball bounces like off of his knee while he tries to control it and you know, mm-hmm. it goes off. But the guy like also just gets on the field and gets five shots like, holy crap, like I think he might be a, a guy that pushes into the maybe almost 20 goal uh, season kind of territory. Um, and I do just think that they have a, a lot of depth in that attack, which will come in handy. And then I think the the main question is like, how much do you wait their end of season performance when they finally started to get a little bit healthy? Uh, Klopp seemed to get a system kind of working there towards the end. Um, and I don't know. I think that there's, you just kind of look at some of these teams and it feels like there's questions about everybody here. Um, Manchester United where I thought like last year that was a bit of smoke and mirrors for them I've liked their business that they've done but that kind of has now brought them from a team that I thought was like fifth sixth best to all right well now with the additions like now it's like maybe their third best maybe their fourth best uh, somewhere in that range Um, Newcastle I I don't love the business that they've done um, but it's also like I don't know like they spent a lot of last year looking like the third best team and like that's something that's hard to discount Um, yeah they're kind of the they're kind of your like your reverse um, Liverpool in a way where I felt like you know coming into January February you're like dang like Newcastle could really challenge for second place on the table and then kind of down the stretch uh they kind of became a little bit a little bit toothless honestly i mean arsenal had very little problem going to st james park and winning uh and that was a game that a lot of people were dreading um so it's i don't personally love the price that they paid for tonali either i just feel like they were already of a pretty significant quality um and i don't think that they got worse so you know they missed a lot of alexander isak minutes last season through injury particularly, you know, in the earlier stage of the season. So it wouldn't shock me if they were, you know, sixth or something like that. But for now, I do have them in my top four. Yeah. And then I think when you get past that, you got, you know, uh, Chelsea Tottenham, where I think there's big open questions on them, like Tottenham, like uh, what does that team look like without Harry Kane? Uh, or actually, is Harry Kane going to get on that airplane and go to Byron? Or is he saying, I think that's a, a very interesting one that, you know, yes. maybe we have an answer by the time this is actually published. Um, I so think we'll see. he's in Germany right now. So, okay. So he did finally get on gone. the plane. Okay. I, 
And I think like for the future, this is still probably the best move for Tottenham. But for next year, I think this absolutely makes them worse, right? Like you can't just take oh, 30 yeah. goals out of a team and you know expect to be better. Right. I saw, I saw, I've seen some, some, uh, sort of theorizing like you take you take out this guy on whom the club is so reliant and you know maybe maybe they actually become better because of that but i think that that would be the surprise uh <laughs> i think that that's pretty fair to say uh you know because he's he's not just a goal scorer he's goal scorer he's a facilitator uh he's you know he's finishing off penalties he's doing just so much of the super annoying stuff that Tottenham Hotspur have become really built around over the past couple of years. And, and while I do rate their new coach, I think he's got a really big uh, challenge ahead of him. You know, they've looked, they've looked awfully good at times in preseason, like when they're going up two nil on Barcelona, but then, you know, at times they've also looked bad, like when they were giving up four goals in the last 15 minutes to lose <laughs> to Barcelona. Uh, they're, they're back four, I think is just a nightmare. Um, yeah, because they're going to play like that two, three, five type of thing too. Right. And like, I just don't know how that's, that's going to, it feels like they're going to ship a lot of goals in that transition period. I think that they really are. Uh, you know, I have never been a big Pedro Poro guy. Um, they spent a lot of money on him, uh, while moving to a four at the back formation to me, that is just such a bad idea. He needs to be in a five. Uh, Eric Dyer needs to be in a back three. I think Christian Romero needs to be in a back three. God only knows what they're going to do at left back. Um, you know, they've got their new kid, Destiny Yodogie, who came from Syria and is very much like from that, from that thread of uh, Tottenham last season would love him because he's a, mm-hmm. he's a wing back. He's not a great defender though. Um, so I think, I think that they're going to encounter a lot of problems at the back. I think their midfield was fine. Um, the attack is going to hurt a lot without Kane, especially if Son doesn't bounce back to like two years ago levels. Yeah, and you know, there, there's the talk that he played with a, an injury. What was it, the the hernia? So maybe you know, if that really is the the cause of the downturn, um, but it's also at that age, uh, you don't always bounce back right away. So it's a, a bit Stuff. of a gamble, I think. There, right? Um, Kulaveski, um was a, a bit of a, a drop off from where he was uh, two years ago as well. Um, and then, you know, Richarlison, you know, scoring more offside goals where he got yellow cards for taking off his shirt, celebrating than actual goals. Right. Um, that'll exactly. Be yeah. One. And how many games is he going to have to start at nine? Because Harry Kane is gone. Uh, they've been linked to all kinds of different people as a potential Kane replacement. It's going to be very interesting to see who they actually end up signing. It will definitely influence my my prediction. But um, as things stand right now, you know, with with Kane gone and with. I think them probably not signing anyone too terribly exciting. Um, I I have them at ninth. Okay, I'm not trying to troll. Um, so you I, so you've got them. So you got Chelsea, Villa, uh, Brighton ahead of them. I so after Liverpool, I've got Brighton, Chelsea, Villa. Um, okay, I think that I think that those top eight are relatively easy. Yep. The uh, the big question, well, maybe the, I'd say the top nine are relatively easy. Spurs could be six. They could be seventh. That wouldn't shock me. But. Um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how preseason form carries into the season for Chelsea. I mean, they they are very young now. Um, seems like they're going to have Caicedo. Caicedo and Enzo is a decent midfield. I think Enzo is a little hot and cold. Caicedo is going to have to really be important for them. Um, you know, I think they're they're center backs. You know, they're pretty pretty good. I don't love the Disassi signing for Chelsea. I think that that will end up being a waste of money. Uh, 
losing Fofana again, I think that's a pretty big deal. And obviously the, the big one that they're dealing with is, is Christopher Nkunku, who's going to be, I think they said 16 weeks on him. So Yeah, so that's puts them into December at least, right? So you're talking about the guy who, for me, was most likely the number 10 uh, in this in this side uh, with the new striker, Nicholas Jackson, starting as things stand. Um, but he's also sort of the backup number nine. So I think that's going to be a problem. It wouldn't shock me if Mudrik was a little bit better than he was last season. <laughs> I think that maybe he just made a big mistake with his life and he's never going to amount to terribly much at Chelsea. But, um, you know, it's they're just they remind me so much of you know, 2020 Arsenal, where they've got all these young guys uh, all coming in together. Most of them haven't played together before. Uh, they made Reese James their captain, um, and he misses time all the time. So it's like, who's the leader of this side? I just, I have a lot of questions as much as I think that Polk is probably going to do a pretty solid job. Um, but I think that seventh is kind of sort of like their ceiling. So I'll, yeah, maybe I'm just taking the... Uh, the emotional hedge here and giving them what I think is their best case. Yeah. I mean, they're the, like, I feel like the one, like if you told me like everything gelled and came together and like, they came in third, I could see it. Right. Like you could see that path of like, Oh, like all of the young talent comes together. They hit their, you know, kind of grow together. They, they come to good, but you've also told me like, Oh, like it didn't quite work and they finished 10th. Like, okay. Yeah. I could see that too. Right. It feels like yeah. of all of the teams in the premier league, I think they have like the widest error bars on what this team can be. And I think it's a big part of it. You know, you just have a, a very young team that we just haven't really seen them at all at Chelsea together. Right. Like that's what happens when you spend basically yeah. a billion pounds over three windows. Um, and you basically bring in like what 40 people or something, whatever they've uh, done over the last three windows. Yeah, but Strasbourg will probably be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, we got we got a few minutes left here, um, so let's uh, look real quickly ahead to uh, the weekend. Um, although while this is out, you know this might already be moot. But um, who's who's starting at, at number nine for you um, against Nottingham Forest? Yeah, I think uh, so. This is this is me trying to predict, not me picking my my choice but i think i think so you're putting yourself in uh yeah arteta's shoes here you're not trying yeah, to i'm channeling that. i'm channeling the boss here i think i think that it's going to be the uh the same lineup as we saw for the community shield okay um i think that hypothetically if gabriel jesus were were fit i think that we might see the havertz left eight lineup in this game um, possessing the ball against Nottingham Forest should not be a problem. But um, I think that, you know, just with Jesus out, with Havertz having done a really good job, and Arsenal, I mean, you know, think what you want about the Shield. That was a big result for Arsenal. Um, so I, th- I think that Arteta is probably not going to mix it up too much. My only real question is, Zinchenko is obviously going to be fit, allegedly. So is he the left back or, or will it be Timber? Yeah, and I've kind of like gone back and forth on this basically like, I don't know. It depends on what time you talk to me, what my choice is going to be. Um, I, I think I, I kind of want to say that we're going to see uh, Trissard. Like he just had such a good preseason that like, Very it feels good. like, like if you're like saying just like on merit, like he really does deserve a start. And I really liked him at the number nine. Um, you know, you could then see like, all right, so Trissard at nine, and then we do see Havertz at eight. Um, but then like you have that question of now who's that DM? Is it going to be Rice? Is it going to be Party? 
I think that's a, a tough question because I think there's a, a number of spots that we know of, right? I think it's going to be obviously Saka at right wing. I think we're going to see Odegaard obviously in the team. And then the back four, I think already, you know, pick all the pack, three of the four picks themselves in that back four. We'll see Gabrielle Saliba white. Um, I think it's Ramsdale because Raya is not going to be available. Um, right. So then it's going to be or Runerson as the backup keeper. Yeah. So is the the only real kind of questions are like there's kind of like a couple guys that you pick for like is you know do you go with Martinelli who's looked a little bit still like hybrid recovering um, from things on the left or do you put Trissard there who do you pick a starter at the striker um, yeah so it'll be a really interesting um, actually uh, hour before the match. Uh, kind of kick off before the the lineup so we can actually kind of freak out maybe a little bit. I don't think Wigan is going to freak out though. Um, I think it'll just be really no. interesting to see because I think we're going to be excited to see what this 11 is going to turn out to be. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun season in that sense. I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, one hour before the game debate and it's probably going to be less, less about, Oh, this guy is terrible. How could he possibly be starting? And it's going to be more like, like kind of what we're we just went through headaches. where, should it be Havertz? Should it be Enkedia? Should it be Trossard? I mean, against Nottingham Forest, I think those are three perfectly fine options, if not good options, uh, to start up front. So, you know, Eddie is another one. I thought he had a good preseason. So it would not shock me if he uh, did get some minutes there. Obviously, he didn't get a lot um, against City, and maybe that's telling. But um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun because we're gonna have some debates about Timber and White and Timber and Zinchenko. You know, Ben White. Uh, Will he ever start at center back so that Timber can be right back? The yep. midfield, should it be party Rice Odegaard? Should it be Rice Havertz uh, Odegaard? Or, you know, it's, it's, so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a great problem to have because I remember when we were. It's exciting times. I remember when we were fighting about if it's like <laughs> Aubameyang and Lacazette uh, starting up top. So this is this is better. Yeah, we would even, you know, talked about Jorginho, right? Jorginho, you know, could. No, he's not going to start any games uh, by choice. I don't think at all here. Um, yeah, so I think we're we're looking forward to it. Um, I, I'm I'm really really. I think this is a good match to start out against um, to be able to hopefully be able to get things going. Um, um, I was looking here earlier that Arsenal have a relatively easy. I think the third or third maybe the fourth easiest uh, start of the season. So hopefully off to a quick start again, right? Fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we saw them get out to such a a quick start last season and it was a little bit more of a surprise. Now I think it's a little bit more of the expectation, but you look at, you know, you've got forest, you go to Selhurst park, Fulham at home and then United. Um, so there's, I mean, it, it, you wouldn't be crazy to expect at least nine, if not 10 or 12 from that. Right. That would be a reasonable thing to think. I think that's a, a good positive note to, to end it on. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, um, please help support the podcast. Give us the the ratings, reviews, do all those kinds of things. Um, we'd love if you subscribe to, to Canon Stats as well. Um, to stay up to date with Canon Stats, um, you'll find us on all of the social medias at Canon Stats. Um, Adam is on x.com um at adam vogie um yeah right yeah how you enjoy x.com it's good right yeah it's it's always going to be twitter um but yeah so i think that's a a good spot uh thank you for listening we'll talk you on to the next one cheers y'all